Welcome to the podcast that is all about self-employment. We'll be sharing expertise on getting started, getting noticed, and getting it right, as well as dealing with getting it wrong. Your host, Julia Kermode, will help you get ahead so you get the success you deserve. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm really pleased to have with me today um, Gareth Love, who is a co-founder and director at Roots Finance Group. And amongst other things, Roots do mortgages for contractors and self-employed people. So warm welcome, Gareth. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. So let's kick off. Um, cut to the chase. I think um, that there is a, a bit of a reputation that um, self-employed people can't get mortgages mortgages and so I know that's not the case because obviously otherwise you wouldn't have your business <laughs> and so so can you talk us through you know what what a bit around what the reality is and and the fact that people can actually get mortgages yeah definitely so yeah it is you know quite a common sort of probably a misconception that uh, mm. self-employed people can't get mortgages uh they absolutely they can uh, but it's yeah. probably true and fair to say that uh, it's more difficult, um, largely right. because of how your income's made up and maybe different sources of income and, and how your employment or self-employment is structured. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it can, it's, it's much more complex and it, it's very much a case that it's not one size fits all when it comes to lenders. So mortgage lenders have different criteria and what might be good for one lender is totally different for lender number two. So, yeah, it's, it, okay. it's certainly possible, um, but it's, it, it's fair to say it is more difficult. Okay. Okay. Um, and so in terms of, you know, the difficulties around getting mortgages, I'm, I'm guessing that people need to prove their, their income levels and, and that side of things um, in order for a lender to have confidence in, in kind of giving them a mortgage. So how, talk us a little bit through, through the nuts and bolts as to how someone would go about getting a mortgage as a self-employed or contractor um person sure so i suppose it's it's a bit like skiing downhill so ultimately mm-hmm. everybody fits under the self-employment banner if you're a contractor uh, if you're a freelancer if you're a yeah. limited company or a sole trader so if ultimately your your tax return at the end of the year can demonstrate enough income for you to get a a mortgage with a, a standard lender or you know your high street lenders then absolutely those lenders will be available as, as if you were a PAYE mm-hmm. employee anyway. Um, okay. But under, underneath that, you've then got, you know, let's take contractors, for example. So yeah. a typical day rate contractor uh, on, I don't know, let's say £500 a day. Um, but maybe they've only been doing the, the contract for 12 months and they've got more than three mm-hmm. months left on it. Then there are lenders that will then look at the, the contract value. So the £500 okay. a day. Uh, yeah as opposed to using um, just just the declared income at the end of the year, because obviously with contract comes costs and expenses that you have to yes. factor into factor into your, your tax return at the end of the year. Um, again, for somebody that's a limited company, for example, uh, set up as a personal service company, uh, there are lenders that we could use that uh, will take the net profit of the company, not just the dividends that have been taken. Um, mm-hmm. be- because, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a comfortable lifestyle and you haven't perhaps got loads and loads of outgoings for tax reasons, you might choose to leave some of that money in your limited company uh, yes of course yeah whilst it's there for you to take if you want to um but there are lenders that will 
that will say, well, you know, you could have taken that money if you'd have chosen to. You've chosen to left it in the business, but we'll we'll use that income for for affordability, which can boost the amount that you can borrow. Um, okay. So yeah, there's, there's, there's an awful lot that goes into it because along with the the income side, obviously, then comes the expenses side. And depending on mm-hmm. how you've set your business up and what advice you've been given, some people will have taken car finance and lease agreements in their in their company name, but some people have taken it in yeah. their personal name. So we have to factor that into yeah. the into the affordability calculation as well. So I wouldn't say perhaps difficult is the wrong word more complex would be would, would be would be true so there's, there's an awful lot of um what was those things the venn diagrams where they overlap each other there's an awful <laughs> lot of overlapping yes. parts that we need to, to make sure we can tick all of the boxes before we can make an accurate recommendation to somebody yeah so i guess um being um uh, perhaps a bit of a bore for a second i guess people who are looking at mortgages um whether for and if they're self-employed kind of really need to have a good understanding of their own financial position before they start this um, process. And I only say that because I've done a number of these podcasts and obviously I know um, a number of self-employed people that approach my organisation for help and, and things like that. And I'm always surprised at how many people don't necessarily fully understand their financial position. So, I mean, I'm totally treading on your toes here and, and kind of giving um, advice, with, <laughs> which actually you're the expert, but I, 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 that's my my sense of, of things. Does that match your experience? Absolutely bang on, uh, totally bang on, because, you know, I think that the, probably the biggest misconception is what people feel like they can afford to borrow and what they can afford mm. to pay on a monthly basis. And yeah, it's fair to say that if you've been paying you know, a £1,000 a month in rent, then you may feel really really comfortable paying a thousand pounds as a mortgage but it's not so much about what you feel like you can pay it's what the bank thinks you can afford um and and, and that's the big the big misconception in a study that was done a couple of years ago uh 40 of people couldn't borrow as much as they thought that they could borrow um and that's that's an awful lot and now covid is only and the pandemic has only exasperated that so that's probably even more than because lenders have sort of i'm sure we'll come on to that but lenders have sort of uh, tightened up their affordability criteria so yeah definitely um finding out what you can borrow and actually what's available to you and what deposit mm. you need and the cost is is definitely one of the best things you can do very early on in the process yeah and i guess also having a good sense of your own type of self-employment because i'm guessing um a lot of mortgage providers don't necessarily understand this space and there is quite a difference between someone who is self-employed um as a sole trader you know perhaps um uh, uh, working as as a tradesperson in whatever whatever sector they're in versus someone um, who might be more of an IT type of contractor who is on a daily rate and doing projects for kind of six months or more versus what I would call a freelancer who's doing um, has lots of different clients um, on on an ongoing basis so I mean there must be different types of mortgages for those different types of people, um, and and I guess that 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 is the case, is it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there are lenders, like you say, that fully understand this space, and, and they understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you know, traditionally, bank, banks are very traditional businesses, aren't they? Most of them have been around for hundreds of years, and and they've got very sort of. I'd say antiquated systems, but also quite antiquated mm-hmm. underwriting. So, as mm. far as they're concerned, you're either employed or you are self-employed. And 
Yes. The reality is that, you know, if you're a contractor or a freelancer, you, you, you're, a, yes, you are self-employed, but you fit into a sort of subsection of that where, you know, it's not just your, your net profit that we need to use. We can, there's a lender, for example, uh, one of the sort of more modern lenders that totally understands the contracting market. So they'll work up okay. to the, the 95% loan to value, whereas a lot of traditional lenders say, well, if you're a contractor or self-employed, you need 15, 20% deposit. Uh, and th right. these guys aren't like that. Um, if you've got, as long as you've got more than 300 pounds a day as an income uh, or £50,000 a year, they'll lend um, money to a contractor uh, as long as they've got 12 months experience and, uh, mm -hmm. and more and more than three months left on the contract. Now, if they've, got, if they've not got, if they've got less than three months left on the contract, as long as they've been doing that that sort of work for two years and they can evidence that, then again, they're happy to, to lend money because they appreciate that if you work on a six-month contract each time, you've got <laughs> a very small window of applying for a mortgage if they want that six yes. months. Yeah, less. so it, it, yeah. They're, they're fully FA with sole traders PAY limited company umbrella companies as well because that's that, that's quite popular mm. at the moment so yeah there's a, there's a lot of things to be considered uh, what I suppose one of the other big big issues uh, that, that contractors sometimes face is perhaps a, a gap in employment where a contract's yeah. finished and the new one started but maybe not for three or four weeks and that could be just when the contract starts it could be through choice that if you've worked on a, mm -hmm. a contract for a period of time you might want a little break for a little bit like we all want a yeah. break don't we so yeah as long as you know uh, this lender if you've got gaps of up to eight weeks in contracts again that's not an issue so you know two months worth of gaps is not a problem for people so um yeah it, it's very it, it's a very complex and probably misunderstood uh part of the market but uh, yeah. there are lenders now that are, that are totally on board with how this works and and very very comfortable with their with their underwriting on it around it that's fantastic to hear actually because when you think of the numbers of people who work who are not permanent employees um that's kind of five six million people possibly even more now um uh you know post covid and actually my opinion and it is only my opinion is that um in some ways contractors and freelancers and self-employed people are actually a more stable um lending risk than than employees um because so many employees have unfortunately been made redundant in, in the last year but that is only my opinion i wouldn't necessarily um ask you to comment but the point is it's fantastic that there's been that change. And I, I guess that change must have come about in the last 10 years or so. I'm, I'm sure I remember there, there being a time when it was really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I think probably even the last, I'd say, three three years, really, because, okay. again, until that point was, you know, we've had this subsection of self-employment for, for the last 10 years or so, or however long it's been. But you found that lenders have, again, been very strict. So you have had to have done your contract for two years and put through as mm. much of your income as possible and limit your expenses to get that tax return at the end of the year, which shows x amount of money which we could then use and and, and like you say it's, it's no being a contractor i i would agree i'm again it's only an opinion but you know it's, it's no riskier or greater or less risk than being a pay employee uh, for, mm. for PAY employees, you can get a mortgage based on a, an upcoming offer of employment. So, you know, for, for a contractor, if you've got a track record of doing it and you work in your field and well-respected and well-paid for it, lenders are now totally a favour with that. And they, and they agree with, I imagine they agree with what we're saying here, that, yeah, that, that person is no more of a risk than somebody starting a new job because I'm sure people start new jobs all the time, it doesn't work out and they leave, don't yeah. they? So, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's great to see that, that this sector of the market's finally been sort of recognised and almost 
always trusted a little bit as well to with with its sort of um, how sustainability. Yeah, I I really like that, and um, it, it it's almost kind of validating this way of working because it, it used to feel like a strange way of working, like like other people's perceptions. I mean, we know it's not a strange way of working, of course, but um, but yeah, it's 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 good that mortgage lenders are are on board. I mean, they they have been slightly slow um in coming on board but i'm so pleased that that they that they are and i'm not here to criticize them at all um so we mentioned kind of um in conversation um just a little bit uh, just a few moments ago in relation to covid and the pandemic and of course we can't really have any conversation these days without that coming up um that must have impacted the mortgage lenders um uh, and particularly around contractor mortgages so what what's happening and what what's kind of um taking place at the moment in in that in that way well, that's a, it's, a, it's a great question but also a minefield of a question because it seems like we've had covid oh. forever doesn't it so it's it seems yeah. it, it well it, in one respect it seems like it's been around for years and years and years uh, and i'm struggling to remember what life was like before we had it but <laughs> yeah you know, you're absolutely right so when when um, the first lockdown initially uh, came in and, and Boris Johnson announced the you know, stay at home and save lives that had a sort of complete stop on the mortgage market so you know, yeah. fun- okay. fundamentally surveyors couldn't get into properties to, to carry out the surveys on mortgage so mm-hmm. I would say for probably two months so the rest of March April and most of May uh, we just could not transact new business at all so Gosh. there was not probably one single mortgage that, that, that could be done because you could do the remortgages and you know the automated valuations where they just assess mm. your property on a desktop but yeah it had a really real real big impact um, when that first lockdown started easing and we were allowed outside and you know that sort of thing uh, lenders mm. were allowed back into uh, sorry surveyors were allowed back into homes and the market started to pick up a little bit again but lenders were were very very cautious because they had a skeleton staff that again were all working from home um so you know you think some of these lenders employ thousands of people in, in massive sites in the uk um so they were very cautious coming back into the market. So for a time, we work on like a loan to value. So what percentage of the purchase price you're borrowing as a mortgage? So today you mm. can get mortgages 95% of the, the value of the property, um, again, if you're a contractor. But mm. going back to last sort of May May 2020, uh, the maximum loan to value for a time was 60%. So that's not great for a lot wow. of people because not everybody's yeah. got 40% to put down on the new property. And then lenders no. started creeping up a little bit, creeping up, but it had a huge impact on sort of turnaround time. So it wasn't unusual for a mortgage application that previously might have taken two weeks to be taken two months. Uh, oh because my goodness. It was just so, so painfully slow. That's so stressful for it to be on the receiving end of that. I had no idea. Yeah, it was. It really was a test in time. And then what you'd got is all mm. the people, the backlog of people that had all sort of tried to buy a property before COVID, not knowing that COVID was coming that all came to a grinding yeah. halt and then they all wanted to complete but lenders were so far behind with their turnaround so yeah. what lenders did uh, to, to sort of stem the flow of new applications and the pent-up demand was to increase their interest rates sort of almost exponentially so i know granted oh. it's, it's very cheap compared to what it might have been 20 years ago but you know if we saw a rate at one and a half percent two years ago that might now be three percent so you know wow. rates had gone up drastically uh, i suppose then the market started to ease a little bit and you know, things started to return to normal and very very slowly 
your loan to value thresholds were growing and increasing. And uh, we got to sort of November, December time last year, and we st- started to see the return of 90% mortgages, which was great because that's you know a big a big threshold for us. So you know, people with a 10% yes. deposit. Uh, so that yeah. came back and then you know coming into the new year we had the second lockdown so we didn't know how that was going to work but thankfully or luckily I should say for our industry uh, the government announced that surveyors could still go into people's properties and estate agents could continue to work because there was an awful yeah. lot of, of pent-up demand and I suppose that's because you know probably like myself I was living in a place at the time with no garden so during that oh. whole that, <laughs> that really nice weather we had as well during lockdown I was, you know, <laughs> couldn't go outside so yeah, it spurred me and myself on to move and I'm sure there's many people like that that and decided to move and, and like you rightly said before that you know if if you were previously commuting into an office and now your company telling you can work from home indefinitely that that opens up new possibilities for people mm. so you know, mm. people move for you know for gardens and obviously a lot of people got dogs and maybe wanted bigger houses and so yeah. what we found the back end of last year and into uh, up to march april this year was a phenomenal level of uh, of applications and people looking to move house uh, so yeah. it's, it yeah. was an incredibly busy market and, and thankfully now lenders have, have managed to adapt and use with technology they've adapted to the ways that they work whilst they are still working remotely a lot of them but it's, it's a much simpler and smoother process now so very testing times but you know it Mm. We've, we've, we've just seen, we've just come out the other side of it now which is which is great to see good and and that that kind of demand doesn't show any sign of kind of um easing in in my humble opinion i can only speak for kind of what what i sort of see around me um but but yeah it's it's um it's it's been um I suppose the stamp duty holiday would have affected that as well. Now, am I right that that's now finished? No, the stamp duty holiday was originally last September and then they extended it to March, ah. which I, you know, I've got ultimate respect and sympathy for conveyances in the UK because they were under such a tremendous amount of pressure yes. with the number of people that wanted to complete before the end of March. Now, that's being tapered to, to the end of September. Ah, okay. So there's, there are different thresholds. So it's nowhere near as beneficial as it was before, but there's still a saving to be made, but it shouldn't have the impact on conveyances that it did last time but yeah stamp duty obviously it's a huge revenue generator for the Mm. for the government so you know it's it's important that you know that we we have that back again and that people can uh people pay that and and, you know put into the economy in that way but yeah it it created a huge and you're absolutely right the demand was sensational Mm. because it was just i think it was pent-up demand more than anything else and you know it was just it was it was crazy in the cost of conveyances you know almost doubled because they, they, they couldn't take on any more work so they sort yeah. of they thought well we'll double our prices <laughs> then and you know, hopefully that would dissuade people from taking on new work but because they were saving 15 20 30 thousand pounds in stamp duty they, they thought well we'll pay another yeah. thousand pounds yeah. yeah so it is i, I know i've got friends that are conveyances and you know they, they it was very stressful time for them but what we found now is um post sort of uh, april may when we we still have that demand but there's there's a huge amount of demand for for people to move house to buy property in the mm-hmm. uk but there's not the supply of new properties coming to right. the market um so that's having this sort of w- weird effect that uh, i think first lockdown people talk about house prices crashing yeah. and going down by 10 15 20 percent and now what we've seen and i'm sure you know people can see for themselves on right move that there's a l- lack of properties coming to the yeah. market um but there's a huge demand for it so prices have been increasing yeah. exponentially so there was 
talk to sort of a 10% increase over the, the last year, which is crazy if you think of it at that sort yeah, of level. So it is. And I, I know in my area, which is um, in Cheshire, that, that that is the case and properties just are selling very, very quickly. And, and for, for perhaps more, more than I would expect them. But I mean, of course, what do I know? I'm not, <laughs> not a surveyor or, or kind of property expert by any stretch. Um, in, just before we move on entirely from COVID, um, the, the question I did want to ask was about um, self-employed people who have accessed different forms of government support, whether it's the self-employed income support scheme or, or kind of um, business related loans if they're a limited company. So how are those factors affecting mortgage lenders and, and the, the decisions they might be making about whether to, to kind of give someone a mortgage or not? Uh, the short answer is yes, yeah. they do have an impact on, on what decisions are made, but the, the sort of longer answer is that those were great schemes that were introduced to, to help see people through this, uh, you know, this period that we've gone mm. through. Uh, and, and quite rightly, I think, I don't think anybody sort of foresaw could it have an implication in the future if, if I've taken these these grants but uh, lenders are now starting to relax their criteria around okay. that so previously if you if you'd taken a grant or a bounce back loan then some lenders weren't even interested in offering a mortgage oh, wow. at all <laughs> and now there's a yeah which is which was quite frustrating because it's like well that's yeah. that's what they were there yeah. for so if I if I'd been furloughed and now I'm back at work I can get yeah. a mortgage so surely as a self-employed person and obviously with a lot of people if they are limited companies and pay them a small, smaller salary then perhaps it's not worth yeah. furloughing yourself for just a couple of hundred pounds so um yeah it, ha- it was having an impact but again much like the contractor um underwriting we were mentioning before uh, lenders are now more in tune to realize that actually yes people did need to take that money to see them through a period mm-hmm. of time um now that things have sort of returned to what looks like normality their business might be flourishing uh, so as long as they've not had uh, there are lenders that as long as they've not taken a, a grant or a loan in the last three months okay. then they're quite happy to to offer on that basis one of the interesting points around the bounce back loans is what we did see for a time was people taking the bounce back loans and then looking to use them uh, to buy an investment property with or to move house oh, okay. with them and that's what that's what lenders aren't mm. comfortable with because the loans were there to be used to to support people uh, should they really really need it during a, a pandemic and and not to be used for investing in property and probably further pushing up house prices. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, you've got to admire the the ingenuity there, really, and also the honesty in kind of um, sort of um, stating stating that. I mean, I guess obviously when you apply for a mortgage, they look at everything anyway. So uh, so someone trying to hide that might be a bit a bit silly. Um, the the other point actually having said the last one was the last one about covid um the, the other point is um are they are lenders kind of being accepting of gaps in income then in the last 18 months i mean we did talk about at the very start that some some self-employed people do have gaps anyway but what about the kind of longer gaps that people may have had of kind of several months or even a year or so in in the last um 18 months yeah so that that, that, that will require a more specialist lender that understands that that contracting market yeah. so there are even lenders there's one lender i could think on the top of my head that that will do a day one contractor in some instances so okay. if somebody's wow. got a track record and perhaps they've, they've been contracting for two or three years and then they've taken, you know, let's say, for an example, if somebody was shielding for the last year and perhaps didn't mm. need the income from a from a contract, so they've chosen to sort of stay in a, you know, stay at home and, and not work, and then now they've taken on a new contract, now they feel more comfortable to return, then there are circumstances that we, there are lenders that we could use that, that can look at that. So, yeah, that m- flexibility is probably the, the right word to use. So there are some much more flexible lenders. 
that, that is to say as well that not all lenders are like that. There are still, unfortunately, the sort of very computer says yes, computer says no type of lender yeah. on, on, on there, which tends to be more high street lenders who perhaps are a bit more sort of after that sort of vanilla business, as we call it. So the, the normal PAYE, the, the limited company director, that sort of thing, not yeah. perhaps the, the day rate contractor or freelancer. Okay, okay, fine. Well, I'm finding all of this um, conversation really reassuring and much more positive than perhaps um, you might think when you, when you know, I said at the start, that this kind of misperception about um, about contractor and self-employed mortgages. Um, so, and, and actually one of the things I said at the start was kind of know your finance and have all of that information um, to hand. What other kind of top tips are there from from your experience for people who are looking at potentially getting um, mortgages who who are self-employed? So I suppose the the biggest tip I could give is exactly what you've just said. So it's to find out very, very early on in the process what's available to you because Mm -hmm. what you think you can afford probably is wrong. You may be able to afford much more. You might be able to afford a little bit less, but it's important to find that very early on in the process uh you speak to an advisor who can tell you you know what deposit you're going to need what the costs are likely to be what the monthly payments look like and what documentation you're going to require as well um because as we mentioned before about the housing market things are selling ridiculously quickly and it's 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 massively common now for um a house to have four five six seven maybe even ten offers on it when you know when it comes to the market so you know, it, for fear of what you don't want to do is miss out on your dream home. So if, if you've got, you know, three people buying a property and two of them have got their agreement principle in place and they've taken advice and they're, they're ready to go and you're not at that stage, then you are going to miss out on that property because, mm. you know, it, it's a seller's market at the moment, which is, is definitely fair to say. Uh, so, yeah, my top tip would absolutely be to, to find out what the affordability could be. Yeah. Uh, my second tip, I'm sure there's, there's lots of mortgage brokers out there, but my second tip would be to speak to a broker that understands your that your market yes. and your situation yeah. what what you'll find with some of the bigger brokers um that they have access to lenders that aren't available on the high street okay. not all brokers have access to all lenders there's very few brokers that have access to everybody okay. um and there are there are circumstances here for, we, for example we have a a number of lenders where we can actually offer a cheaper product than that lender can offer you directly oh, so nice. okay it's crazy just because of the distribution <laughs> that we have so if, if you've got you know for example we offer mortgages from over 90 lenders uh mm. so which is about thirteen thousand mortgages okay. if you went to one bank they might offer you five or six so you know it, it's very much worth speaking to a uh, to, to somebody that can sort of give you a, a holistic view of suppose is the best way to describe it of, of exactly what's going to be the best thing for you and the right thing for mm. you to do mm. uh, very early on in the process yeah and I certainly think um in the kind of self-employed market um for contractors there are as we said so many different types of self-employment that that actually you're probably going to be better off or at least have more options to to go to a broker that understands that market otherwise if you go to perhaps um your normal bank account you might get computer says no type of um response yeah exactly and i suppose you know when you work in this specialist area such as you know um self-employment contractors you know if you throw all that in there not all mortgage brokers understand that 
Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's you know it's not their area of specialism. Um, and so what you'll tend to find if you found a mortgage broker on the internet or somebody recommended to you down the pub sort of thing, then yeah, they'll sort of go, oh, you're self-employed. So what was your last two years tax returns like? And you think, mm-hmm. well, no, that's not, you know, I'm a day rate contractor. It's slightly different. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely speaking to somebody that understands your market and specialise in your market will be worth its weight, weight in gold, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you just reminded me of something I did want to ask, um, uh, which was about how much history does someone generally need need to know when they apply for a mortgage and I expect the answer is um it varies depending on on on, on the lender but I mean as, as a rough guide what what would people need to kind of dig out for their for their records do you do you have a thought or yeah I, I would suppose if somebody can go back over the last sort of 12 months of their their, their sort of contracting history so mm. they could get their, their late them if it might be their current contract it could be the previous one before that um what lenders will typically like to see is a contract uh, that they have if it's got more than three months left on it that's great yeah. uh, if it's not it's not so much a problem we just need to, to look at things slightly differently and then perhaps your last three months worth of bank statements to evidence that money coming into the to the bank account um, um, and, and that from there as long as you can understand what your income actually is and what your outgoings are so yeah. you know, for example the one of the biggest things that uh, that people sometimes um sometimes think is uh, I, no, I haven't got any loans or credit cards but then they have got a 600 pound a month car on finance but it's a lease <laughs> ah. so it's not a loan it's a lease but that still is factored still in so yeah yeah exactly so we've got to, we've got to understand sort of exactly what your income and outgoings and your financial situation looks like but post-COVID and now that we're coming out of the back of that, lenders again, like I say, they have sort of returned to sort of normal levels of lending. So mm-hmm. there's still a few sort of uh, curveballs thrown in there, but it's, it's much more favourable now for people to be, to be looking at sort of taking out mortgages. Okay, great. Well, on that on that positive note, I think um, we, we'll draw it to a close if, if that's okay, because um, it's it's been really helpful actually because it I I always I I suppose I'm a bit guilty of what I said at the outset kind of thinking it's really really difficult for people but it's been a real eye-opener to to hear that that actually things are available to people in all sorts of different situations um and and that 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 it's actually much better than than I thought so massive massive thank you for for coming and dispelling my my myths and misconceptions about about the the mortgage sectors so thanks so much for joining us, Gary. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to All About Self-Employment, hosted by Julia Kermode. For more information on today's discussion, please visit iwork.co.uk, where you can also join our growing community. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, then we would love you to subscribe, rate and review our podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. <laughs>